This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. And here we are. It's Friday afternoon in the big city and everywhere else, even in the small cities. 800-848-WABC is the number to call if you'd like to be on our 4 o'clock most nerdly rush hour. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And we've got a lot going on. Princess Di will be with us shortly. Looking forward to that. Uh, and you know what I love about having um, doing this the noon show today, and uh, which we did. That was a great week of noon shows here on WABC, and thank those of you who participated. And then during the 4 o'clock shows, there's so much news that breaks in between. And I want to start with a few of the stories that came up between uh, afternoon hour and this hour. The first is from AmericanWireNews.com. Bloomberg, it says, attacks Biden administration over charter school crackdown. Now, what is this about? A few weeks ago, Joe Biden and his administration announced that they were going to do everything they can, could, to disrupt and make the lives of those who run charter schools difficult. In fact, what they really want to do is drive charter schools out of business. So today we get this story from American Wire News. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg attacked Joe Biden's administration over its crackdown on charter schools, which plays into Republicans' hands ahead of the midterms. That's what uh, the op-ed over there said in, in Bloomberg. The Department of Education's proposal to restrict funding for public charter schools is bad politics and even worse policy. That's what Bloomberg said. I I thought this uh, op-ed was in Bloomberg. No, it was in the New York Post. Democrats apparently are at odds over which schools should be funded and what should be driven into bankruptcy. That's what James is saying. Biden's administration has taken uh, action to limit charter school grants, while Bloomberg has recognized that charter schools are a viable alternative to traditional public schools. And he pledged over $750 million to help fund charter schools in 20 metropolitan areas across the United States. 
Of course, Biden is trying to do this at the behest of these teachers unions, the ones who didn't want to work during the uh, during the COVID pandemic, the ones who continue to fund Democrat campaigns. Now, who do charter schools help? Charter schools help many people, but among them, in certain cities, the data shows that students in urban charter schools are outperforming their peers in public district schools. Black students, low-income students, the majority of charter students are seeing the biggest benefits. So who is Joe Biden trying to hurt with this? Black children. And, of course, you will have none, none of the Democrat Party operatives, none of their apparatchiks standing up and saying, this is wrong. Why are we trying to make sure that black kids that are failing in public schools, why are we trying to stop them from having a chance to succeed? You will hear not one of them. You won't hear the BLM crowd. They're too busy buying mansions. You won't hear them stand up and say, this is wrong. You have to stop it. Joe Biden is doing this, and the Democrats deliberately. They are doing this at the behest of these teachers' unions who, in my humble opinion, don't give a damn about black kids and Hispanic kids and never have, starting with Al Shanker, with the teacher strike that he pulled in New York, which left many of us, when I was school, out of class. They don't care about the kids. They never have. And so you black parents in New York City, who are always whining and whining and whining about how much prejudice there is. Look at your teachers' unions, and look what Biden is doing to your children. He doesn't care one bit whether your children get educated. This is all about Democrat Party politics. This is all about show me the money, give me the money. Meanwhile, do you want to hear what's going on in public schools? Here, take a listen to one of the teachers this another example that was found by this incredible woman who runs the account Liberals of TikTok. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or math uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, and math advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term math. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing stop, than stop, other Stop term. this one second. We'll pick it right up. You may not understand what this person is saying. He's a university professor. This is part of the public school university professor. He is calling them MAP. MAP. That means, ladies and gentlemen, minor attracted persons. In other words, a person that is attracted to minors. Pick it up. Because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, A lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, And that isn't true. And it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Um, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, But using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. Yeah. That's what you get in public schools. We have more. Libs of TikTok found another educator, most likely in the public school system. Listen to this. Thanks so much for that question. 
Um, I use the term minor attracted person or That's Matt. the one we just uh, heard. Let's go to the other one who's our librarian. Oh, well, we only have one then. Let's play it. We had another one, and let's hear this one. So this one is about pronouns. Now I'm going to start with a preface that you should be talking to your students about pronouns. Everyone has a pronoun, and you shouldn't be assuming what they are. Just like you shouldn't assume what someone's name is, right? Like if I went up to you and I was like, hey, George, and you're like, no, my name's Kyle. And I said, no, it's George. And you were like, no, it's Kyle. And then I responded by saying, no, I can tell by the way that you look that you're a George. That would be ridiculous. And that's how ridiculous you sound when you assume people's pronouns. But I figure that anyone following my page already knows that and is already talking about pronouns with their students. So the real tip on how to be more inclusive in your classroom is to stop calling them preferred pronouns. That's horrible. My pronouns aren't a preference. I don't prefer that you call me she, her. It's not a preference. It's my gender. Please respect it. They are my pronouns. They are not my preferred pronouns. They are my pronouns. So in your classroom, just start calling them pronouns. Stop using the word prefer as if, you know, your gender is a preference. It's not. This is what is in the public schools of America. These people, these liberals, these progressives are pushing this agenda on America's children. And when parents have the recourse to take their kids out of these public schools where this ideology is being spread, what does Joe Biden do? What What does the Democratic Party do? The Democrats are demanding that black children in America, that Hispanic children go to failing schools, go to schools that are more prone to have violence in them, go to schools where there is a clear track record of failure. They don't want black children to succeed in America. They don't want Hispanic children to succeed in America. They want liberal white progressives to succeed in America, and that's it. This is just another form of 20th century, 21st century digital plantationism. These people run the Democrat Party digital plantation, and that's what this is all about making sure that these kids can stay on their digital plantation, have no hopes, have no aspirations, have no pathway toward success in America. The minute you put a pathway toward success, charter schools in America, what does Joe Biden do? And remember, this is the same Joe Biden who said he didn't want his kids going to the jungle schools. He didn't want his kids mixed up with those blacks and those Hispanics. This is the same Joe Biden. And what are the Democrats telling you? And how long will it take, Lord have mercy, please, for black people that keep voting for these people to open up and recognize what they are doing to our children? This is intentional. And this ought to be enough to cause the Democrats to be run out of office. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back right after this. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, rush, rush. 
WABC Talk Radio 77. You know, I saw Rabbi Potasnik. We just ran a, I saw Rabbi Potasnik in the hall the other day. We had a great talk. I haven't seen Rabbi in quite some time. So the Rabbi and the Reverend Sunday mornings, you know, back when I was a producer, I used to produce that show. Every show that was on WABC one time or another in the initial talk radio years, I produced one way or another at some point. So anyway, let us bring in the one, the only, the intellect of intellects. Her Majesty, Her Highnessness, Princess Di. Uh, Princess, I am so sorry. Once again, I've blown past all the time, Boundary, because I couldn't contain my mouth running with these with these freaking Democrats. Diane, I'm getting so sick of this. Oh, I, I said hear it. you. I know. Well, it's a good thing that you're bringing this to the fore because very few people are covering these things, and it is critically important. How dare these people? They know the charter schools. They know that black parents that want their kids out of these, what Joe Biden calls jungle schools, they have to, the, the charter schools are the only opportunity a lot of these kids have. And these people have no compunction going on and say, hey, get those black kids out of there and make them fail. What's wrong with you suggesting that black and Hispanic kids should, should succeed in America? I don't understand well, these people. This is, this is the battle line right here, and they know it on the left. And let me tell you another idea. There was the charter school battle is where the war is being put in. Also, this idea of having the funding follow the kid, follow the student, instead of going to the school. And if the funding follows the child, the student, parents can put their children in whatever school they want and the money goes there. And to me, that is the critical important thing that has to happen, along with charter schools that are going to break the power of the teachers unions, which is also going to break the power of the incoming left communism that's got our kids under under its thrall, under slavery almost now. Uh, that's exactly, that's what I call it, Diana. These, these, these kids, these Democrats have these children on their digital plantation. That's yes. where they want them. They don't want them to succeed. They want them to have miserable lives if they're able to have a life at all and they don't get caught up in this crime wave and they're dead by the time they're in their mid-20s. These people know exactly, exactly what they're right. doing you and they are evil. Though. They know they have an amazing sense of what a threat is. And so they know that the charter school idea and this follow the child funding idea are lethal threats to their agenda. And so they know this instinctively on the left. And that is why they have all all of their minions at the behest of their leadership come and fight this stuff. So it is not a benign policy argument. It is life or death for them. And and if we can get our side to push forward on this, it is a crack that would resound throughout the country. I have a challenge to make to any liberal Democrat. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what age you are. I want you to defend the idea that black children and Hispanic children in New York should not be allowed to escape failing schools and go to a school where they can become educated. I want to hear from you people that keep voting these Democrats in year after year after year. I want you to defend this. Please tell us why it is important that Democrats continue, continue to chop off prosperity, 
continue to chop off opportunity for black and Hispanic kids. I want to hear you defend it. And you can if you just call in. I'm not going to fuss at you personally, but I want to hear what defense you have for this. Now, a reporter, uh, Princess Di, uh, actually let loose with Fox. And, well, Fox covered the story. They let loose with Politico about how they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid of Jen Psaki because, oh, she's just so good. And she's so powerful. And we'll look like they used the word. He used what A-S-S, you know, the rest of it. And that's what they'll look like if they go up against the powerful, the mighty Jen Psaki. <laughs> yes, that was the Fox News uh, squib of the political story, which I read, which is very long. But it was basically the theme of the political story was unbelievable it, how news has gotten so boring under Biden because everything is so calm and there's no controversy. <laughs> And so the White House correspondents who used to make their bones making being stars in the White House briefing room uh, now no longer can be stars because everything is just so happy and sweet and and whatever. And that's why they don't want to go up against Jen Psaki, because it would make them look bad. They couldn't be stars because after all, Jen Psaki is so competent and wonderful and is not destroying democracy like Trump was. That is literally what the quotes are saying. These people live in a completely different universe. Jen Psaki is one of the most incompetent press secretaries ever. She never has. When you ask direct questions, try it. If they would try asking a direct question about the Biden money. Where, where did he get that $5 million exactly yeah. that's in his account? <laughs> By the way, Hunter, we've caught you in a few lies with regard to Hunter. First of all, they never ask the questions that most of us would want asked. So, of course, if everything is going to be mellow when she's doing a great job. Yeah. No one asks her a, t- a tough question. <laughs> They're yeah. on the same team, and they admit that, that they really have no controversial questions. They do mention in the political story um, Peter Ducey, who is the only one who actually you know, does some reporting in these moments. But he is treated as kind of a buffoon. And as you know, if you remember, Biden and Saki both called him a stupid son of a bee. Right. They used the word. So there, you know, there's no star being made there on Fox. So all of the other White House correspondents are basically, you know, saying how boring it is because there's no controversy. And it shows how incredibly tone deaf these people are in Washington compared to the rest of the country, which is, you know, laboring trying to stick to keep their heads above water on the economy. So you've got the border problem, the crime problem, the economy problem, got gas prices, you've got U.S. GDP, which fell, which we're, you know, heading for a recession, possibly inflation at 8.5 percent. The war drums mentioning actual nuclear war under this president. The discussion is actually being had by Russia and our administration people mentioning the possibility of nuclear war. And so now we're saying that the Biden administration is too boring to make news if you're a reporter. It looks like the world is falling apart, and most people in America feel that. So the fact that the reporters in Washington think everything is a snooze fest tells you they have no idea what this country is feeling right now. And you, and that is highlighted by this last story we'll touch on today, and then we look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. Tomorrow, 
you're not going to want to miss, folks. We're going to talk about this new uh, ministry of disinformation. You, uh, Princess Diana are going to talk about, and the person that Joe Biden has hired. Oh my, this is <laughs> this is unbelievable. You have to run some sound bites from some of her music. <laughs> oh, we're going to play it tomorrow. So we'll cover that tomorrow. But meanwhile, Jennifer Rubin, the Trump hater, the so-called conservative for the Amazon Prime Washington Post, has a story today about Madeleine Albright's funeral. And it shows how far we in America have fallen because we, I mean, because Madeleine, they came from that great generation. Why, they're just one step removed from Camelot. And Republicans, damn it, those people have ruined everything. They've ruined the lives of everybody. And and now we're so low that we will never get back to the stature of people like Madeleine Albright and Bush 41 and all of the rest of the great leaders from the deep state. <laughs> yes, she is going on and on of these great moderates and how the leaders of today are no, not in the same category. The thing is, she has made up so many false memories of, of you know, she's talking about Madeleine Albright as this wonderful, decent human being. She worked for Bill Clinton. So the decent human being thing, I think we've got he, the list of things that Jennifer Rubin says, first, all of these people, including McCain, Dole, Bush Sr., and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Colin Powell, were decent human beings, unlike the Republicans of today. They uh, were kind to junior staff, and I immediately thought of Kamala Harris. Well, also, Bill Clinton mentored the intern. Right. He he mentored her with a cigar up her. Thank you. So they were serious people who did not take themselves too seriously. They lived with joy. Nice. And the, <laughs> the last one is they believed the United States was a force for good in the world. Nice. Now, let me remind you, let me remind you of the quote that Rush Limbaugh would always bring out of Madeleine Albright China. from 1998. We very much don't want to be out there by ourselves as the organizer and the only superpower. People think we just want to be king of the hill, but we do not. She was one of the leftists who brought down the United States and has the policy of the left has been doing that ever since. They never wanted the United States to be the only superpower. And the fact that we remain tenuously a superpower is something the left is really getting together with each other to try and change. So I think that Jennifer Rubin forgot Madeleine Albright worked for Clinton, and these were not decent people then, and they are not decent people now. Let me just say one other thing. Madeleine Albright was front and center going out to vouch for Bill Clinton when he was still wagging that bony little finger saying he didn't dwaddle the intern. Okay, she stood right out there and said, we should trust Bill Clinton and then never retracted it and never came out for the intern after it found out that Bill was toying with the intern's intern with his cigar. Okay, now there's something else about Madeleine Albright that you mentioned. This is the woman that told us that China wasn't our enemy. They are our strategic partners. Well, yeah, these are partners that have been doing all they can to destroy the American economy for decades. 
And who helped her? If you remember the Loral deal, if you remember the, the China money that came through to the Clinton White House through their teas and their coffees, the money that went into Clinton's pocket and the secrets that went back to China. And that was part of the administration that Madeleine Albright represented. Thank you, Princess Di, as always. Hi, Princess Di. I am beside myself today. I hope I can calm down. But thank you. You are always the voice of reason and the voice of sanity. I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here on Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. We're coming back. More calls, more news, and more news right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hour with Bo Snurdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. Rush, rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Phil Collins. I love this song. It's a great song, but you know what about? You can't dance to it. How do you dance? Oh no, you can do slow dance to this. Yeah, yeah you can like. Yeah, no, you it's know, slow dancing. That, like, you're right, you're right. Freaky you're, dancing. Right, yeah. Yeah. You know what? <clears throat> this was the first CD I ever heard. When this album was out, a friend of mine, who's like this amazing audiophile engineer type. In fact, he, he works for one of the big networks, one of the three. So he said, I, come over, I, you got to hear something. So he put this on. He's like, listen to this quality. Like, what is this? This is this new thing called a CD. Well, that came and went, didn't it? But you can't even play anymore. <laughs> I still have a bunch of them that are collecting I know, dust. But it's this high in the closet. I swear, about seven feet high. Right. I can't even play these things anymore. It's ridiculous. I like downloading. It's so much faster and easier. The yeah. second I hear a song I like, I just download it. Exactly. I'm waiting for the drums. I like Two Hearts, One Mind. That was my favorite Phil Collins song. Really? Is that, is that the right title? Waiting for the drum roll. I think it's coming up. No, not yet. <clears throat> no? Nope. Which one is your favorite besides this? Phil Collins? Um. I mean, I could roll off a few names. Just that one song for me. In your eyes? That was Peter Gabriel. Oh. I always get them confused. Another. Well, they both play with Genesis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> if you told me if you told me you were drowning, you know. I you wouldn't, wouldn't lend a hand. <laughs> I wouldn't do a damn thing. That's right. I remember. This is nice. People like need to hear music every so often. WABC is Friday afternoon in New York City. 
All right. All right, we've been waiting. And now, here it is. Also, track using some commercials. I, yeah, right? a bunch of commercials. Yeah, a bunch of commercials. And here's a testament to Phil. I don't even know what commercials they were. I only remember this song. He did. You, he dated. You probably know this, right? I don't he know. He dated one of the CBS local anchors. Oh, what? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, um, can I mention names here if I can remember? Well, Dana Tyler. I don't was, know. I think so. I, think I don't that know was what that guy did. That was years ago, but I don't know what ever became of that relationship. Well, apparently but I, nothing. I believe she was, according mm. to the papers, what I was reading. Mm. The papers. Right? Yeah, the remember papers. those? <laughs> not, not online. The papers. You remember how you had to learn how to like hold the New York Times if you were on a bus? So you wouldn't snort trains, well, you wouldn't they told, smack right, your neighbors? Was, it was called the certain subway fold. Right, right you the would subway fold. fold. It, right, right, the subway fold, so you wouldn't be in someone's face. Hmm. Right, I remember that. I, I learned how to do it. Okay, so we do have some news. We have Bob Brown here, and we have Jacqueline Carl here. Both of you have news stories. Where do we begin? Any, meeny, morning, mouth. Oh, let's start oh. with you, Bob. Oh, you asked me what's going on today. What are the top stories? I said, um, unfortunately, the farewell to uh, Timothy Klein, the FDNY firefighter, who yes. his funeral this morning in in Queens. And also, I said, uh, two people killed by a train on the subway in um, Hamilton Heights this morning in the subway tunnel about 1030. Uh, don't know much at this time that when the victims were struck at the 145th Street station in the tunnel area and police continue to investigate. You mentioned something about this the is other turning day that, into that a was, theme. Yeah, last weekend I talked about two more people killed in the subway tunnel. They were believed to be graffiti artists. It's like, hey, fellas, couldn't stop writing because you see that little light coming down here? Don't you think we ought to stop spray painting? No, let's just keep going. And, well, lights out on that career. Sad. I'm not sure if these were young people. They say, they say man and a woman, so I don't know. Were they living in the tunnel or something? I, I have no idea. But The subways, you know. New York subways. Mm. Mm. Safe. Yeah, right. Mm. Did you see the picture? Um it popped up. I don't know. Did it popped up on Instagram yesterday? I don't know if I have the right platform. I don't know anything about this stuff. It showed a picture of 1981 of a subway, the uh, number one, the South Ferry Line. All graffiti, all the windows and the. F- I showed my daughter. I said, "You want to see what the Are you subway?" Me? I said, "You want to see what the subways looked like in the late 70s and early 80s?" And I showed her. She says, "Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I know. It was like." It was not graffiti on the outside. I'm, I'm talking about on the, it's, on the now inside. They're, now they're graffiti proof. They did that what in the '90s? They made these cars like graffiti proof. You can see the scratch of the razor blades sometimes, but you can't you can't spray paint them anymore well, on the inside. Good. But oh my god! So it you know. So we were having. It, I'm we, sorry, we were, I'm sorry. We were having a discussion speaking about this sort of crime and mayhem, the mayhem that accompanies uh, a New York. And you said that this city's too big. That this New York is too big. Hmm. I, 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 I had said to you, I think, you know what I think the problem is, in my personal opinion, which, what, nine million, nine and a half million? Is that what we are? Yeah, about nine okay, and a half million. Down that, from 13 million. That, that, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And I said to you, I think the perfect size for a city is a city like, let's say, Philadelphia. I don't know what their exact population is. I'm going to assume a few million, a couple of million, two, three million. It's enough to really give the sense of a big, large metropolis, right, urban living. At the same time, it doesn't overwhelm you 
like some like New York does in a way. We were talking about I think this the system in New York City were overtaxed. The police are overtaxed. Government agencies are overtaxed. Thirty six thousand police officers, right? Right. Should Something be like a, that. Do you think maybe we should have a hundred thousand? Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Do we need a maybe a a second mayor? Have one mayor, two mayors? I no, we no, no, we definitely don't <laughs> need a second mayor. The mayor right now is cracking I, down on cell phone use in police. Wow. Yeah. That's the problem, he isn't it? He wants people to take pictures of them using their cell phones and report them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that'll solve the crime problem here. And then what Pat Lynch, the PBA president, says, well, you gave us these smartphones. You want us to call in these crimes. We have to do that. If you didn't want to give us the crime, the, let's go back to pen and paper, he said. So that was his argument about that. Yeah, well, I think that New York is the perfect size city. You know, I still remember when it was 6 million people and everyone had a story in the naked city. The naked city. And it was all good. Yeah. And you know what? New York has gone through ups and downs with violence, and it has nothing to do with how large the population is. It has to do with how well the population is defended against the criminal element. And Mayor Giuliani, when he said, when he came to office and he said, we're going to start by stopping these low offenses, these low um, I forgot the term for it. Like the guys, the squeegee guys that used to come and harass oh, everybody. Yes. And he said, first thing, we're going to stop that. That was Giuliani's claim to fame. We right. talked about that. It's the squeegee guys. And right. from there, he went de- systematically dismantled the criminal element in this city. And people felt safe again. Mayor Adams would be able to do that, too, if he weren't, if he didn't have other priorities. Which... And that's where you have Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals. But I'm going to defend Mayor Adams, if not today, tomorrow. There's an editorial in the New York Times by one of their editorial board members, Mara Gay, and she's ripping Mayor Adams a new one on crime, saying that uh, he is using this outdated rhetoric from the 1994s. You know what? He's, she's, she's annoyed that he talks about black on black crime. She's terribly annoyed about that. And this is not helpful. His choice of words are an unwelcome throwback. So I'm going to dissect this little piece from the New York Times, maybe today or tomorrow, and I actually have to defend Mayor Adams. But there's a lot more that can be done in this subway to make people feel safe. When I was covering uh, City Hall and uh, and when Peter Commissioner O'Neill was there, and a couple of times I asked him questions, I said, when are we going to start seeing, not so much cops in the subways, I said, but cops on the trains walking car to car, okay? I grew up, I, yes. was, I was born in the city, but I grew up on Long Island. My friends and I would go into a Yankee game. We'd take the train to the Bronx and all that. And all the time we would go, I'm telling you, I don't think it's ne- never fail. A police officer would walk through the car. That's Every right. time we went to a game, back and forth. And so he says, well, you might have seen me back. I said, well, I think I'm you're a little bit too young for that. I said, I don't think I did see you patrolling. But he says, yes, we are working on that. We are going to get cops back in to the subway cars. Now, what happened was, and just in my personal observation, they did get the cops finally onto the platforms a little bit. When back then, but they weren't getting them in the cars. And now you're seeing them more than ever on the platforms. You're still, in my again, in my opinion, my observation, I'm not seeing them walking car to car. This is a That's- shared memory that we had. You know, my parents and my parents were very overprotective. I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day. The first time I tried to go spend the night sometime with a girl was at a college. I was like, you know, I was like almost 20 years old. 
And they came and got me. It was so humiliating. They're like, no, 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 you're not staying overnight anywhere with some girl. And it was, I was, I was, I was still pissed at that when I, they were overprotective, right? Yeah. But at 12 years old, we could ride the subways and the buses. And our parents would let us ride the subways and the buses by ourselves. Would you grow up where in the city? Where in the city? I grew up in Queens. In Queens. And since I grew up on the island, so when we go to, when I mentioned the Yankee games in the Bronx, and some of the parents wouldn't let some of my friends go, you're not going up to the Bronx. The D train stops in Harlem. You're not, right, <laughs> you're right. not going up there. Right. But see, but what uh, did yeah, we yeah. have? We had, we had police officers that would walk through. You would see it on every train. Right. They would walk through at least... All the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. And the subways were safe. And we didn't have this business of people throwing people off the tracks and this nonsense. I don't know. We, we can't get back to that. I have, a, I have an amazing, optimistic attitude about what can be accomplished in this city. And I think that we should. Look, there's all this empty real estate. You look around. Yes. Every one of these buildings can be filled with people that contribute. And there's no reason that it can't be done in New York. Absolutely not. Now, you have other news. Yes. My news, I have a sad story and a happy story. I had to, like, get a quick happy story in because this is such a sad story. This beekeeper, um, an Alaska beekeeper, her name is Sarah uh, McRae, she ordered some, like, five million bees. Mm -hmm. And they were supposed to be sent from California to Alaska they were going to pollinate apple orchards and nurseries in Alaska, but they bumped the bees from their original flight, Delta did, and rerouted them through Atlanta, left them all in a hot tarmac, and a lot of them died. Like, many of them died. And when she called because they didn't arrive, they said some of them escaped. So she called a beekeeper in Atlanta to go check on them, and that beekeeper found out that these bees, these honeybees, almost five million of them died. Really? Yeah, it's very sad because it is. I mean, five million. That's guess a lot. how much wow. they were worth. That 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 one shipment, forty eight thousand dollars. Wow. But it, aside from their impact on the environment, mm. it's sad. And 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 Delta's called it a quote an unfortunate situation. A Delta spokeswoman, Catherine Morrow, told the Associated Press uh, today that they have taken immediate actions to implement new measures to ensure events of this nature do not occur in the future. Um, they uh, they said they apologized to her and declined an interview. But that is a sad, sad story to me. Like, to just leave all those crates of bees sitting on a in hot stomach. Yeah. But uh, on the on the lighter side of things. Well, wait a minute. What? we got to hear this. You want... In honor of the bees. This was considered the first bubblegum song, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it? The, I by the Archie. Remember? Yeah. The term bubblegum, yes. right? I didn't even... No, Bubblegum pop. Bubblegum pop. This was it. I'm not going to sing because I don't want people diving across their living rooms to it's change a great the station. Tune. A lot of the rock people would put it down, but they were wrong. You still remember it all these decades later. Junior high school. What about you? Well, his parents came and grabbed him out of college <laughs> from, for a kiss, so I don't know. That was so embarrassing. I don't. I would be embarrassed too. Sing it. 
Bo? I'm not going to sing it. I can't. I was in a band, you know, and my bandmates would not let me sing. No? Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm like PTSD on singing. They're like, oh, no, hell no. You can't sing. You do the speaking parts. We're not even going to let you try to do harmony. Just shut up. And I still have PSD over it. This is the Archies, right? Yeah, this, this is the, is the Archies? Archies. Yeah. And we just thought that little honey reference would go along with the bees, so that's for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sugar Sugar. All right. So what's our other nice story that you have here? The nice story about the Bronx Zoo uh, baby tree kangaroo was the first of its species born at the Bronx Zoo today. They announced it today, and this is it's it's very unusual. This is I took I had brought a picture. I don't know if any. Where should I, Kevin? Where toward the camera, right, right in back of you. Yeah, yeah. I'm really bad Okay, you'll at figure this out. Here we go. Here we go. There, there it is. is. There it is. There's a little So anyway, so this it's called a Joey and it's it, it, a Joey. They're very a Joey. Yeah, you know my we got a little Joey here. Born Keep holding. Are we going to have like a movie like the dog movie? What do you mean? Have you seen that dog movie? Which one? The one that made that first of all that got the cowboy guy all upset and then the one that won all those uh uh uh, uh as, uh, whatever the movie awards are, the Oscars, the the, the the slap awards. Oh, I can't remember. This is a great. Let me tell you something. I watched this movie by accident. It was on Netflix or something. And I was. This is a really good movie about the dog. What is it? Something of the I'm dog. I'm not familiar. Do Kevin, yeah. do you know what it is? Something. You guys, the you dog? guys, look this up. Go look on this, this movie yeah, that won the Oscar about the dog. But anyway, so we got a little Joey here. Yeah, it's called a Joey, and they they haven't had one since 2008. It's the first of its species born, and it was born at the Bronx Zoo. So if you like the zoo, you can go see him. Yeah. I don't like so much seeing animals in captivity. I but... don't either. But after the bee story, I had to have something that was little... <laughs> I said, I got to get something in here that's like happy, like end on a happy note. And it is happy. That almost makes me want to go to the zoo to go see the little... Uh, to see the little Joey. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. I don't know. Like, I don't know how well you can see, but I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Thank you. See, I got my own little picture of the Joey here, folks. Yes. I'm really excited about that. Oh, it's a cute little thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's really cute. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. I, I... All right. That's our news department, folks. This is what you get on a Friday afternoon. But right? that's what, yeah, we're going to do this every Friday, by the way. So just be Very prepared nice. for it. Okay. Okay. Fine with me. Yeah. We're going to have some fun on Fridays with the news. Absolutely. Fun on Friday with the news. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You so, can bring the sad story. I'll bring the funny stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute now. Do we have to is, Do we have to have light news or do you want everything? No, in, no. In bring, the, it, bring it. Just bring, bring it. it. Bring, bring it. it. Okay. Bring it, whatever it is. Okay. Bring it. Okay. okay. Thanks for having Sounds me. Sounds good. All right. All right, Thank Paul, you, ladies thanks. and gentlemen. All right. Uh, do we have to take a break or are we done? We want to take a break? We've got one more break here. Okay. Well, let's hit it, mate. You lock in there. Play that, play that news. Hey, governor's here. Hit it. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. 
It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdley. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdley. WABC Talk Radio. 77 in New York City. The Gov is here. Hello, Gov. How are you, Bo? I'm doing I'm, well. I'm not sure what to call you half the time. Bo is cool. <laughs> I love it, Gov. All right. Listen, we've been talking about charter schools. You know the Biden administration has come out against charter schools. I'm losing my mind because this really makes me so angry. And they're trying to defund up charter schools so that teachers' unions can become stronger, et cetera, et cetera. This, well, well, go ahead. You, you know, Bo, uh, a few times last week on this show, we talked about my total uh, disgust with the school day and what time we send children to school and then right. what time we send them home. I learned that from the charter schools. They actually start schools at 9 in the morning, keep the kids till 5 or 6, give them things to do after school. Don't send them home to, so they're doing homework at 10.30 at night and then waking up at 5.30 in the morning to go to school. The char- great thing about the charter schools are they can be the laboratory where we can try new approaches to education. What we do is just do the same thing over and over again and not get any different result, which was, what was it, Dr. Jonas Salk's definition of, of insanity. insanity. Right, <laughs> right. Governor Patterson, let's take a few calls. We have A.J. who's been waiting in the Bronx. Hi, A.J., welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I love debating this um, issue because I'm a public school teacher. Um, I teach in a middle school in the Bronx for more than 10 years. And, um, you know, the, the problem that I see with the charter schools, it's, uh, it goes back to the 1998 charter school law. Um, it, right, right in the title of the law, it says that charter schools were going to be created to have a special emphasis on students that are at, that risk, at risk of academic failure. And right from the beginning, charter schools, especially the corporate charter schools like Success Academy, have been concentrating on the kids that are the best test takers. And they've been accused, you know, for over a decade of cherry-picking the students to get the best results on test scores so they can turn around and compare themselves to public schools that have just got cherry-picked. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was able to ask. Uh, Governor Pataki, this. Uh, um, well, you have Governor uh, Patterson here. Why don't you ask him? Because time's short. So, if you had one question on this, what is it? Well, why do we allow the charter schools to cherry pick students if the point of the law in 1998 was so that they could support the districts by innovating with the most at risk students? Uh, AJ, I think the in the, uh, the original charter schools I'm talking about before they even really had a law that some of that did occur, I'll concede that to you. However, after the law was passed in 1998, the choices were done by lottery. And I'm going to tell you, when I was governor once, I went to a lottery, and you know, only, say, uh, one out of six or seven of the uh, students is going to get in. So all these parents come hoping that their kid wins the lottery. The ones that didn't win the lottery, I thought I was going to be beaten and maimed to death. Because they were so angry that their their children couldn't go to the charter schools, I, and they I, were and they were angry because their kids had to then stay in their failing schools. And AJ, I know time is short, and and we're going to have the governor here for an hour. We peace promised to come, and we're going to talk about education the whole hour. 
and then we'll talk about other things too. But here's what my question is for you, AJ. In New York City, there are 242 at least failing schools. Most of them are in black and Hispanic predominant neighborhoods. How long are the parents of New York supposed to put up with their kids failing? That's my question to you, AJ. Well, they, we just for the first year ever got full funding of the foundation aid that was designed to give a sound basic education to the public schools, and we still haven't gotten it yet because it was just passed in this year. You're budget. talking money. I'm uh, talking children. AJ, AJ, no, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to you. I'm, I, I don't. Time is short. We have put up with black and Hispanic kids failing in New York City schools for over 20 years. This problem has not been addressed. How long are parents supposed to put up with their kids failing in New York schools? That's my question to you. Now, don't tell me about right, money. Tell me about how long I, we're supposed I, to do this. Right. When, when you say failing schools, that's all, you're only looking at standardized testing. What about music? What about arts? What about sports? You know, you're only looking at math and ELA, and my school this year has over 20 days of standardized tests, which is preventing us from doing the learning. And to the point about the lotteries, 50% of the kids that win the lotteries don't end up attending charter schools because there are hurdles put in front of them if they don't attend the, the, the registration meetings and the dress rehearsals and all of the hoops and hurdles that are put in specifically to weed out the less savvy parents to make sure that only the best test takers end up in those schools. And you can see that from the disparity in the results. We need more certified teachers in the public schools. And the charter school, we need more uh, experienced teachers in front of kids in the public schools. We serve 90% of the kids. Charter schools are 10% of the kids. And all of the foundation aid increases that we got this year is being, in New York City is being diverted to charter school increases when these guys have funding streams that we can't have from Wall Street hedge fund billionaires. Well, like let me just say this. Let, let me just say this to you, AJ. And I want to invite you to call again because you are a delightful person to speak with. And he's very informed. Exactly. Let me say this. We have spent billions and billions of dollars in this country on education more than any other nation on the face of the earth for less return on our money. And so you can talk to me about these streams of funding and the money goes. We spend millions of dollars every single day in this city alone on education. And the money does not follow the children. And that's what Prince Di was talking about. And that's what upsets a lot of people on the left when you start talking about, hey, wait a minute. Instead of the money following the political ideology, maybe the money should follow the children. Whoa. Game changer. But I'm going to invite you to call back in. And everybody that didn't get in today, please call us tomorrow. We're here at 7 a.m. We have to set a date because this is a burning issue, not just uh, this. We'll, we'll, we'll set a date, and we'll talk about this for an hour. Okay. He, he was actually pretty good about some of the things that he said. It's just that some of the things that he said were more true some years ago than I think they are now. Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are Pennsylvania. We are Connecticut, we are New Jersey, we are Long Island, we are, of course, all New Yorkers. We are New York, and we are New York strong. In the greatest nation humanity has ever witnessed, the United States of America. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. I'll be here tomorrow at 7 a.m. for the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You want to be a part of it, so get up early, have your first cup of coffee with me. Governor Patterson, thank you for joining us. Great to see you again, Bo.
We're back tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. God bless you all. Bye.